Well, baseball is back in the Valley, and it, it's good for baseball to be back. I think we're all happy, and that's what we'll talk about on this week's edition of the Baseball in the Valley podcast. Welcome in. My name is Greg Medea. I'm the host of the podcast of the Baseball in the Valley podcast by the Daily News Record, joined alongside by David Driver, the sports editor at the DNR, and we're happy because we, we've got live sports to talk about. I, I know just from my beat, my beat obviously JMU football, the last couple days on Twitter, David, I'll be honest with you, it's been it's been totally Totally frustrating with what's going on in the college football world, if there will be college football, if there'll be a condensed schedule. Uh, The Ivy League, of course, had its announcement. But I'll be honest, on this Friday, July 10th, nothing's making me happier than just to talk a little baseball because right out of the gate, the county league has shown it is competitive uh, and, it, and it is entertaining. The, the folks have been out at the ballparks enjoying baseball. The players, uh, mostly college players, some former minor league baseball players playing their summer in the county league this year uh, because there's no minor league baseball. It, it's just nice to have baseball back, David. And, you know, a few weeks into this thing for the RCBL, and it, it's going really well. Yeah, I mean, um, on and off the field, it's going well, Greg. And, and nice to talk to you again. And, and it is nice to see baseball. Uh, I got to get out to uh, a game the other night um, at JMU, and I think that's the first live game I've seen since March. Uh, probably like a lot of people that have not seen live events. But um, you know, yeah, like you hit it on the on the head. I mean, you've got a mixture of at least five guys in the league we know of who have played minor league or independent ball. We've got. A slew of Division One guys, William and Mary, JMU, of course, Clemson, and then you have a lot of really good high school and Division Three players. So, I mean, you know, I played back in the '80s. I know that was a long time ago, but that was sort of the, the makeup of the league back then. You had former minor league players. Um, so, you know, talking to the commissioner the other day, I mean, he thinks things are going really well on and off the field. Um, a really competitive season so far after about two weeks of play. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And one thing at the top I did want to get to, because I know you tweeted about it, is Randy Atkins, the, the RCBL commish, he told you no positive coronavirus tests as of yet, right? As of, uh, let's see, Wednesday. I mean, wow. we'll, we'll, take, we'll take him for his word. I don't know what their testing procedure <laughs> is like. I'm sure it's not, we're sure it's not at Major League Baseball. Um, standards, and we'll deal with that later. But, I mean, that, that's great news. I mean, you know, my wife and I were at the game the other day. I mean, people were kind of sitting in clusters, and I think you probably that's what you do normally, right? I mean, it right. wasn't a sell-out, sellout at Veterans Stadium. So, um, you know, there weren't, to be honest, there weren't a lot of people wearing masks, and, and they're not required to. Um, you know, people handling food and and um, are, are required to. So, you know, Virginia as a state has been doing pretty well, so I think there's a lot of people that just feel safe and comfortable, and, and baseball does lend itself well to something like this. So, yeah, Randy was, was very happy so far with how things have gone. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and, I, and I, I understand why people don't want to wear the mask. It doesn't kill you to wear it. But like you said, David, competitive right out of the gate, competitive early. You got three teams tied atop the standings as we sit here on July 10th, uh, getting ready for a weekend slate of games in the county league. You got Broadway, Grottos, and Clover Hill all at six and two. And of course, this comes on the heel of a wild one Wednesday night, David. Me and you texting back and forth. Holy cow, Grottos came back. 
Yeah, uh, that was exciting. I did talk to Tim nicely uh, this morning, the uh, the head coach for the Cardinals. Of course, he's been an assistant. This is his first year as head coach. He can't remember a game where his team scored six in the bottom of the ninth to win. I mean, he played at Bridgewater College. He's been around the game a long time. So, yeah, those are the type of games that, you know, happen once, what, every five years, every ten years. Um, that, that puts him in a tie. And he pointed out, I mean, yeah, they came back and won, but against a really good Clover Hill team. So, yeah, three teams tied at 6-2. and two. Um, And tonight, uh, Friday night, Clover Hill plays at Broadway, the other 6-2 and two team. Yeah. So just a really good start to the season so far. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. It's interesting. You had the, you had the former Spotswood star, uh, high point commit, Cam Irvine, he, he had the big home run, and he's been off to a really good start early on. I think he's tied for the county league lead in home runs with three. That's fascinating to me because you've got, obviously, the mix of local college standouts with the JMU, the, the JMU players playing in the league, like Chase DeLauder, who's off to a good start. You've got the minor league guys uh, and, and former independent league players in the league. But you've also got your, your former local standouts, and, and Cam Irvine's proven, man, he's, he's got a lot left in the tank as he gets ready to go to high point. Yeah, uh, Tim nicely said this morning, you know, so Cam played with them, um, uh, you know, while he was in high school, then played in the Valley League. Of course, mm-hmm. he was at Virginia, Virginia Tech, so now he's back um, with Grottas. They're obviously glad to have him. Um, you know, Tim said that he's he's always known the game well, and you would expect that with a, a father who played in the majors. But his, he's really added some strength to, to himself, you know, giving him more power. Um, he knows the game. He plays it the right way. And so, yeah, I think it's a great sign for high point and um, – I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing him play here pretty soon. Yeah, for for sure. Definitely going to have to get out there and watch him. I, I think I think there are some players in this league, and, and you can you can say otherwise if you think, but I think there are some players in this league that, that are kind of worth the price of admission going, going to watch, whether it's Justin Showalter, who's just coming off a phenomenal, you know, abbreviated spring with James Madison, uh, who pitches for the Bridgewater Reds, the former Turner Ashby star, uh, or, you know, you have players like, like Adam Hackenberg uh, with, with Montezuma, who was uh, obviously at, at Clemson, who, was, who plays for Clemson, I should say. There are some players certainly worth taking a night out to, to go watch play because odds are they'll be, playing, they'll be playing somewhere else down the line with maybe a little more prominence. No, you're right on, Greg. And Randy Atkins mentioned that the other day. He was just thinking out loud, how many Division One players are there in the RCBL? I want to go through the roster at some point and yeah. check that out. But I'm, I'm guessing it's it's certainly more. And, and like you said, I mean, if all goes well, hopefully next year the pandemic is behind us. A lot of these guys will be playing in the Valley League. Um, they might be playing in the minors. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a really uh, unique season. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And I know from from my conversation with with Marlon Eikenberry about a month back, that the James Madison baseball coach, he just thought this opportunity for the players to kind of stay in the local league. And of course, there's one in in Richmond that that area. There's one up in Northern Virginia where JMU has some players playing in those respective leagues that are a little closer to where some of those players grew up. It's only a positive thing in a year where you know you, you thought there might not be any baseball for these guys after their shortened college season because leagues like the Valley League and the Cape Cod League weren't going to do it because of all the host families and that situation and how coronavirus could lend itself to some problems there. So I, I think this this has just been a, a home run right out of the gate so far 
for the RCBL, and, and it's only a positive as you look, and especially when you when you look at the standings too. We we just touched on it. When you got competitive teams, you've got you know really high caliber players. It it certainly makes it that much more exciting. Well, I mean, you know, I, ha- I haven't been able to see Bridgewater or Montezuma yet, but I mean, they've got some pretty talented players, and, and here they are already behind under five hundred. Yeah. So, um, you know, and Stuart Straff has you know a player that played in the minors or in pro ball at least. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, talking to Tim nicely this morning, um, he he said, yeah, there's three teams that are six and two, but every night is a legitimate competitive game. Um, there's good arms all around the league. I mean, you know, tonight, um, you know, Newmarket starting Daryl Thompson, independent league guy. Um, Grados is going to go with the JMU commit from Lynchburg. So, I mean, I, you know, again, you followed the league the last few years yeah. more than I have, but I'm guessing there's a, these are the best pitching arms that have been in the league in quite some time. Oh, I, I totally, I definitely would say that. I knew there, I mean, with college-level players, maybe those low-level minor league type of players, you're going to get some long games anyway because the pitching isn't that good. But I would say this is a step up from what it's been in the county league for for the last couple of years, at least since I've been in Harrisonburg at the DNR, uh, I've noticed the pitching is is definitely a step up, and and that's the thing. You can go to a game, you can go to a game just about every, any night during the week, and odds are you're going to see a Division One or you know college baseball arm that maybe you wouldn't have seen in the past when, when you when you show up at, at Buck Bowman Park or you show up in Bridgewater at, at Ray Heatwell Field. You're probably going to see, you know, at least one Division One pitcher throw at some point in the games. Most of the time you'll see two or three, uh, depending on what that roster has, uh, you know, available on a particular night. And that's 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 kind of the neat thing is, you know, the, the caliber of talent is, is just much better than it's been the last few years. And I know Bob Weiss, who's working with Broadway, uh, the assistant there, but he's also the coach of the Harrisonburg Turks in the Valley League. After he decided that he was going to help out, he, he said it, it's probably going to inject some life into the county league that it, that it hasn't had in a while. And he, of course, played in the county league all those years. So to me, this is just a, you know, for, for as much negative news as, as the coronavirus has brought, and of course, every, every death uh, is, is horrible, uh, and you know all the different sporting events that, that we haven't been able to cover. Uh, are much more minuscule, obviously, to the lives lost. But uh, for all the negative things that it's brought, uh, I would say it's also lend itself to, to this positive. And I'm not trying to compare it in any way, but you got to look at the bright side sometimes. And, and this is this is certainly a bright spot in, in a tough 2020. Yeah, I mean, if, if there were cases of COVID among fans or players, then, then this might be a different conversation. Yeah. Let's hope let's hope that doesn't happen. Um, I think everybody's concerned about safety, um, mm-hmm. no matter what no matter what sport you're in. Um, but if if they can continue to do this without any um, problems in terms of health, then then great for them. And I think um, you know, I think you know we've talked about some of the imports to the county league most of the players even coming from outside the area they're still from virginia so i think if you Mm -hmm. still look at the strength of the high school programs in the area i mean that's always been the strength of the county league they wouldn't be able to sustain this right if unless there wasn't a, a local pool of talent so yeah there are guys coming in from clemson and 
William and Mary, but a lot of those guys are coming from Charlottesville. Um, you know, Shenandoah University to the north is providing a lot of players for new markets. So it's not like guys are coming from your home state, New Jersey, right, and, right. and living in the county for a month to play. It's it, and that's the other thing, and we've talked about this before. The Valley League just couldn't think of playing this year because of the host family situation, having guys coming from all over the country. Well, this is a unique situation. There's guys that can live in their house and show up and play that night and go back to their job the next next morning. Yeah, well, that's exactly what this is. It's it's all those players, more high-level college players that, that we've touched on here is, you know, normally they would be off playing in some other league. Some, of course, would, would be in a Valley League, but, you know, others may go to Cape Cod or, what, the, the Northwoods League up in Minnesota, the popular one, and there's, you know, the Florida League. Uh, there, there's leagues all around the country where, where these players go off to to maybe have a little bit different experience than what they get in their college town or their hometown or their home region. Uh, but now, you know, because of the coronavirus situation, it, it's kept some of those players at home. Uh, so I think that's that's kind of neat, and it, it's kind of cool for a summer at least. Uh, you know, while while everybody is trying to get their at bats in, trying to get their innings in if they pitch. Uh, so it, it really is fascinating, and it, it's made for an interesting season to start the year. I will ask you this: through through the first couple of weeks, who, what's a who, who's a player you've kind of been most impressed with? Uh, whether you're it's somebody you saw at the yard, you're tracking the stats at night. Uh, who's a name that's popped out to you that that you've really enjoyed uh, seeing and think that think is worth a watch? Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's a lot of good ones. I mean, I've, I've been able to talk to a couple guys with pro experience that are mm-hmm. there in the league. Um, you know, nicely. Uh, there's two nicelys for, yep. for Goddard. Um, of course, Austin was drafted out at Spotswood uh, by the Astros, really high pick, tenth round. So it was actually interesting to talk to him. Um, and also call, uh, Harlow with with uh, Newmarket. The irony here is that these guys, you know, would have rather been playing pro ball this year. Mm-hmm. Um, um, whether it's independent league or, or affiliated, um, nicely was hoping to go back to York, Pennsylvania with the revolution. So the irony is that there's thousands of kids around the country that aren't able to play minor league baseball, but here we have a handful of, of players that are able to play and nicely hoping to go back to York next year. So again, a lot of irony here. Um, there's a lot of guys that are having to work out at home on their own without facing live pitching, whereas if you're in the county league, you know, these 20 or 30 games will probably help them for if spring training goes off without a hitch next year. Yeah, no, no doubt. No, totally. Uh, totally agree. The one, the one name that's that stuck out to me, and I, I saw how good he was for the Dukes, uh, for JMU early in the spring. I saw him him have a walk off hit. I saw him hit a home run for for JMU when I was covering you know live sporting events, uh, you know almost regularly when when, when uh, before the Corona hit is is chased the lauder, and he's he's doing it again with the bat uh, early on. Uh, in, in the county league, I think he's got a couple of home runs. He's got 11 RBIs, which is second in the league. Uh, so he, he's really, uh, that to have him in the league, and he's with Broadway, he's with the Broadway Bruins. Uh, to have him in the league, I think, is, is certainly a really cool thing for the county league. And he gets to play his home games uh, at JMU. Uh, which is which is nice for him with Broadway uh, having their home games there. Uh, so so definitely a good thing 
all around there for, for Chase DeLauder. So really, really interesting start to the county league. It's going to be fun to watch how some of these races uh, heat up. you got a couple of games tonight, as, as David mentioned. you got the Bucks and the Bruins, which is the big one, 7.30 at Eagle Field, Veterans Memorial Park in Harrisonburg. D-backs, Diamondbacks are still looking for their first win, David. Uh, they're, they're, they've struggled a little bit out of the yeah, gate. Yeah. Uh, and that's, and that's kind of interesting to me because they've been a team uh, over the past, at least since, since I've been on the beat, that's really dominated uh, the RCBL. If you think about all the veteran teams that they've had with guys like Ryan Cooper and Wes Dimmitt, uh, those, those type of guys who have been county league mainstays for you know the better part of five to ten years. Uh, and, and now with, I think, the injection of talent in the league, they've had a little bit of roster turnover. Uh, I think maybe the only one who, who's kind of stayed in, in the flow there is, is Terrell Thompson, uh, who, who used to play with Elkton but has been with the Diamondbacks, I think was part of a championship team with Stewart's draft. Uh, he's kind of stayed in the flow, though. But they're still looking for their first win in a league that's, that's definitely changed a little bit uh, th- this season. And then you got the Cardinals and the Shockers tonight and the Blue Sox and the Reds. Also, Elkton, J.J. Loker still around. I think he's got three home runs tied for the county league lead uh, with Cam Irvine as well. So good stuff with the county league. And, and I'm sure for, for folks that are looking for something to do, it's probably not a bad idea to go out to the yard, watch a little baseball, socially distant yourself, bring a lawn chair. Because uh, I think that's I think with the way the league has started, it's uh, – it's certainly shown that you know you can make some live sports work even in the midst of of a pandemic if you do it safely and do it responsibly. So so far so good with the county league and and David that that kind of brings me into a little bit of a transition here because Major League Baseball they have started practicing. I guess they're not calling it spring training; they're calling it summer camp. Uh, so Major League Major League Baseball getting underway. What are your thoughts early on as, as baseball less than two weeks, Major League Baseball less than two weeks away from its opening day? Yeah, well, there, there were certainly some hiccups the first weekend mm-hmm. with, with testing. And um, at this point, uh, the testing is only being done in a lab at Utah. The Washington Nationals uh, did not make friends in New York um, when they called off uh, one of their practice sessions a few days ago. But mm-hmm. um, they were not the only team that did that. The Astros did it as well. So, you know, there's been, you know, Chris Bryant of the Cubs, you know, it voiced his concern. A lot of players have. Sean Doolittle, of course, is never hesitant to speak out about the situation. But I think, um, you know, you can look at that as a negative if, if you want, but I think it's a way to, to kind of um, keep the MLB on its toes, right, for, for testing. And, and is it, you know, this is, I mean, we've talked about this before. I mean, these, these are people, right, and they've got yeah. families. But I think the players definitely want to play. I think everybody wants to play, but they also want to make sure that they're safe. So, um, you know, there were, you know, uh, the Yankees pitcher got hit in the head oh, with a gosh. line drive off yeah. the bat of Stanton. I mean, just a lot of kind of scary things were happening those first few days. But I think, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems like they've kind of weathered a little bit. Yeah. There's some guys that have the virus and they have to go on, on leave. Um, the, the percentages, they're really low. I mean, one is too many, right? Right. Um, but, um, the percentages are really low um, for testing. Now, again, we haven't started the travel yet. Um, and you know, as most fans probably know, teams do take charters. Mm -hmm. They land, you know, when they land at the airport under normal circumstances, they pretty much are bused right to the hotel downtown. So um, it's going to be tough to pull it off. I mean, there was an interesting chart on the internet about just the 
the three parts of the country, how the teams will travel and circular regions. And who knows, maybe down the road, maybe that's the way scheduling should be, um, you know, with all the interleague games. But that's another discussion. But um, I think for the most part, yeah, they have weathered the first few days and um, we'll see how the, the practice exhibition games go. I mean, the Orioles and Nationals will be playing uh, two exhibition games. So, yeah, it's, it's fun to think about being able to watch baseball pretty soon. Yeah, I, I'm excited. I, I just want to bring up some numbers because I have my Twitter timeline open as we're talking here this morning on the Baseball in the Valley podcast. A tweet from John Heyman, one of the best MLB uh, beat reporters there in the country, uh, works for MLB Network. He just tweeted, Major League Baseball updated numbers. 83 positive tests out of 11,000 tests done. So, wow. So 0.7%, <laughs> less than 1%, which I think that's that's probably pretty favorable if you're baseball. Uh, assuming you know they, this this rate continues and you don't go you don't go drastically up, uh, and, and you kind of hover there around 1% or less. 1%, like you said, David is. is you know, probably too many, but uh, I think that's that's probably a pretty good number out of only 83 positive tests out of 11,000 done. That that kind of puts it in perspective there that, you know, maybe they're doing the right thing by going ahead. You know, yeah, it's, I mean, we, we, it's certainly above our pay period, yeah. right? Yeah. I, mean, I wouldn't want to be a governor right now. No. Um, you know, these are hard decisions, um, you know, and as journalists, we're, we're taught to, to cover things, try to look at there's always more than two angles. Everybody says there's two angles to everything. There's maybe sometimes there's more than two, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of value. Um, you know, people, you know, talking to some high school basketball coaches this week in the Valley. I mean, they've been impressed with these teenagers and how they've handled the situation. Um, yeah, a lot of them were cooped up for three or four months and they want to get out. So that's a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're from different generations. I mean, um, kids today are active on social media. That can be a negative. That can also be a positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so there's a lot of there's a lot of things involved here. I mean, um, you know, kids and, and even major league baseball players aren't kids, but there's that sense of wanting to get back to normal, wanting to get back outside. And we all know that exercise is good for us, no matter what level we're doing it at. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting time. And you know, talking, you know, there's the the coaches who are in their 40s and 50s, and then there's these athletes that are teenagers and 20-somethings and, and just the, the different generations and how they're approaching this. Maybe this generation can handle this better than, say, past generations. Who knows? Yeah, no, it, it's really fascinating. Baseball, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with it over the next uh, couple weeks as they get going. And like you said, as the travel gets started, that's, that's to me what's really interesting about the pro sports. Uh, I know the NBA and NHL are, are in their bubbles, are going to do it in a bubble, but baseball doing the travel. Uh, you know, geographically, uh, that's what's interesting to me about the pro sports, the college sports. I think it's not just, you know, getting to the season. I think it's integrating the student body uh, into the population, uh, but that's a whole different topic. But anyway, with Major League Baseball, it'll be fun. Uh, the 60-game schedule, did uh, they did release that earlier this week. Uh, did you have any any thoughts, any intriguing uh, thoughts about what the Nats schedule look, looks like? They're going to open at home with the Yankees, and you get that, you know, Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer matchup that I'm sure with people yearning for some baseball will, will draw some attention. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I think I think it is kind of neat that you're just going to be playing basically teams in the in say the NL East mm-hmm. for the Orioles, the Orioles, yeah. the AL East. I mean. Poor Orioles. I mean, what a, what a schedule they have. I mean, having to 
already play in the AL East and then have to play the teams in the NL East. But I, I don't know. Maybe this, like I said, thinking out loud, this might be something for down the road once they play 162 games that maybe scheduling will be done more regionally um, to kind of yeah. promote rivalry. So, um, yeah, I, listened, I was listening to ESPN yesterday just talking about the schedule. It's, it's more of a sprint. Um, you know, if you lose seven games in a row, you know, you're, like the Astros, I think the Astros lost seven games in a row once or twice last year. I mean, if you do that this year, you're in big trouble. Yep. Um, um, you know, I, you know, some people, you know, there's different rules that are going to be tried. I mean, you know, people are trying to debate is 60 games a legitimate schedule? Well, I mean, it's kind of a frivolous debate. That's what we have. And, um, I don't know. I, I, I think it's going to be kind of fun. Um, you know, it's going to be tough on the pitching staffs, um, the bullpens. Um, you know, we hopefully won't have any 15 inning games because of the new rule. So, yeah, it, I think this is the year to try things differently, whether it's the DH or man on second to start the 10th. I mean, why not try it this year, right? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you. And my thing is, when, when people ask that question, is it legitimate or is it not? Well, you know, everybody in the league is going to be playing the same amount of games and going to be facing the same challenges with the coronavirus and adjusting to, you know, that that extra, that new extra inning rule where they put a man on second to start the inning and uh, DH in the National League, a universal designated hitter. Everybody's dealing with the same thing. So for me, and especially with how much responsibility falls on the players and the coaches to make sure, you know, after the ball game that, you know, they go home and stay out of public and, and do everything right in order to stay on the field and, and not get the virus. To me, that that makes it pretty legitimate if they're gonna, you know, these players are gonna sacrifice, you know, some of their personal lives in order in order to play baseball and get paid. I, I, I'm not saying I feel bad for them uh, because they're still getting paid millions of dollars, but th- there is some sacrifice involved for them, and that that is real. And uh, I think that that helps it make it legitimate. You'll see the teams that that want to win this thing and want to win the World Series. Uh, you know, they'll they'll make sure that. You know, they, they try to avoid the, the virus as best they can and, you know, as, as close to possible as they can. I, I don't know. That's just my opinion. I, I don't have any insight. I don't cover Major League Baseball. That's just my opinion, though. Yeah, no, those, those are some good points. Um, you're just reading the Associated Press stories that, mm-hmm. that ran in, in the DNR today, um, talking about the man on second. and you, you're, you're hearing quotes from some minor league and major league managers that were first against that, but then they realized that, you know, a 15-inning game can just – one person said a 15-inning game can blow your bullpen for the next week. Yeah. Um, and to think of having a 15-inning game on a getaway day this season when a team has to fly whatever, let's say from Boston to Atlanta, mm-hmm. you know, it, Major League Baseball, is, it's going to be just a really tight schedule. So, I don't know, I mean, you don't, you can't say, okay, we're not going to play past the 10th inning. I mean, they're not going to do that, but... They do need to, to be aware of things like that and um, try to compress things, make it as, quote, easy as possible to get this schedule in. Yeah, for, for sure. No, I'm, I'm totally with you. Kind of a fun note in regard to Major League Baseball, at least something that I'm excited about, is Joanna Cespedes, David. I, I know we're getting a little off track here, but before we get into our last thing I want to talk about, I just got to tell you, I, I'm geared up. I'm seeing the, the videos of him hitting the ball over the wall. And maybe he'll be a factor for the Mets this year. That would be that would be truly uh, truly something incredible if, if Mr. Cespedes can get out, get out there on the field for the Mets. 
Yeah, I, I, I saw. Uh, I, had, I haven't seen the video. I did see some tweets a couple weeks ago talking about him. Um, boy, he was a difference maker uh, for the Mets uh, a few a few years ago. I mean, um, yeah, that would that would be exciting. So, I, I for your sake, I hope the Mets can uh, stay healthy. Um, uh, they've had plenty of challenges the last few years. That's yeah, that'd be great to see him make a comeback. You know, it, it'll definitely be legitimate if the Mets win a World Series. I'll, 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 I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that, David. Uh, now, <laughs> if the Yankees do, then it's not legitimate. I'll just say that yeah, also. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we can agree on that one. <laughs> now, uh, last thing I wanted to get to. You, you had a really nice story from catcher to, to coach was the hammerhead uh, involving Jake Lowry, a former James Madison catcher, spent a number of years in the Nationals minor league organization. Run me through the story and and you know how you how you came to find it first of all because I think it's kind of neat, especially in a time where you know minor league baseball players their career is in jeopardy uh, because it looks like there's going to be some cuts in the future down the road. Uh, Jake going to try to stay in baseball as best he can, but but not as a player. Yeah, well, and, and before I get into Jake, I mean, you know, we know about all the former Jamie players who made the majors, but you know, <laughs> they have several former players who are scouts um, for major league teams um, and in the front office. But um, for Jake, you know, drafted highly out of Jamie by the Indians, um, I think 2011, maybe 2013, mm-hmm. I may be wrong, fourth-round pick, made it to double-A with the Indians, was traded to the Nats a couple years ago, um, and eventually made it to triple-A really briefly. But he kind of realized the last few years that he could see the handwriting on the wall. He wasn't playing that much, but he really followed the game well. Um People in the national system, including Doug Harris, who, who uh, is a JMU product as well, um, got to know him. They, they liked the way he watched the game. And, and again, catchers, right? Catchers and um, are usually good pitching coaches or, oh, or managers. Yeah. So, yeah, so I actually talked to him at the end of last year. I got to see him at, at, the, at Bowie, mm-hmm. uh, the home of Orioles, and just said hello and you know, told me about my Harrisonburg connections. And, and even then, he thought, eh, I think I'm going to go into coaching. He didn't say a whole lot about it. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so he was, was on the coaching staff for Fredericksburg, which is the single-A team in the Carolina League. Of course, the season's canceled, and so he doesn't really have much at the ballpark these days. But um, really, you know, knows the game well and should point out his father uh was the high school coach at cosby in the richmond area for something like 37 years one of the winningest baseball coaches in the state so he played for his father um jake's brother played at east carolina was drafted as well so great baseball family but yeah so i think there's a bright future for jake um you know as a coach in whatever role that might be he's hoping that things go well Next year, he'll be a full-time coach, hopefully, in the national system. Yeah, no, that's that's really neat. and Good for a guy like that who, you know, I'm sure has made some sacrifices in terms of being a minor league player for that long uh, that does, you know, kind of flip flip the script and, and see the other side of it uh, where maybe he could mentor some players and, and get them to the big leagues eventually. I thought it was a really neat story. You can find that story, dnronline.com. Uh, find that story if you haven't read it yet. Uh, and it, what was it in? Was it in Wednesday's paper? I'm trying to remember. I, 
I, th- I think you're right. I think it was in Wednesday's paper. Yeah, it's a good, good story, and and certainly, you know, uh, we we always talk about this area being such a good baseball area. It's just one one more connection, David, uh, that this area has, the Valley has to, you know, professional baseball, minor league baseball, major league baseball, and of course, it, it's even more uh, local because of his. He's in the Nats system, you know. He was going to be with right, Fredericksburg, right. and they, they're yeah, supposed to open yeah. a new stadium this year, correct? It, it is open now. Yeah. Um, as of this this week, it is they are using it as the location for the Nationals taxi squad. So cool. um, there's a there's a bunch of obviously major league players working out at Nats Park in DC, but those that are on the taxi squad will work out in Fredericksburg. I haven't been to the stadium. Um, um, it probably would have not been ready for the start of the Meyer League season in April, from what people have told me. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did a virtual tour the other day, and um, this is an aside. I don't know who dragged around the country. You know, Meyer League ballparks are kind of struggling for. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you see the sleepovers right in the mm-hmm. outfield. Oh yeah. Um, at various parks, uh, hosting movie nights. Um, so yeah, that's been kind of cool. Try to be creative. Try to recoup some of the money and. and it's obviously been a terrible year for minor league baseball. It was already going to be a bad year um, with cuts coming, and, and we'll kind of have to see what happens next year in terms of, uh, I guess, as they say in Europe, relegation. Some teams or towns will, will unfortunately lose their minor league uh, home. Yeah, no, that's, that's going to be something fascinating and uh, I'm sure devastating for some players who – will ultimately lose their job because the minor league system is being cut. And obviously it, it's sad, too, for the towns that host these teams and, uh, you know, the community has a connection, too. Uh, but that's down the road. I, I guess uh, they got to figure out how that's going to work. But they do have a long time to work on it uh, to figure out, you know, who's going to be affiliated with what major league team and what teams are going to stick, what teams are going to stay around, and what level of the minor league system they'll be at, AAA, AA, single A. Uh, or I, I don't know exactly how many levels they plan on doing, but uh, it's something fascinating to figure out uh, for sure that they have a long time to work on. But anything else, David, you wanted to mention in terms of baseball uh, here in the Valley, RCBL, it's Ty, JMU, and anything? Um, you know, I, I, I think you did a great job of catching up. I did get to see DeLauder. Uh, you mentioned DeLauder JMU. Mm-hmm. I hadn't got to see him much, but, you know, uh, he had a he had a, a single up the middle off a lefty the other night. Um, uh, so I mean, yeah, it was a good bat. He pitched really well. So I'm glad you mentioned him. Um, I saw a note this week from JMU. They've got guys playing in other leagues around yep. the region as well. But um, so I think JMU's done a really good job of finding homes for some of these guys. Right? I mean, there's probably some programs that. that aren't getting that experience so uh, yeah it's, it's cool to see some of the JMU guys in the county league this summer yeah no doubt well David I, I think next time uh, we'll try to get an RCBL player on uh, we'll talk a little major league baseball as they'll be closer to their opening day maybe, maybe we'll do some predictions David maybe, maybe we'll get a little crazy on here and do some do some major league baseball predictions uh, next time have a little fun with it yeah sure that'd be fun i'm glad you gave me a warning <laughs> you got you got a, you got a week or you know 10 days to think about it uh but anyway that'll do it for this week's edition of the baseball in the valley podcast uh good to be with david driver the sports editor at the dnr and i'm greg medea saying thanks for tuning in